0: And welcome back, as always, to the Tapping Up Podcast with myself, Daryl, and as ever, Ian. Uh, I think we quite like football again now, after a couple of weeks of being miserable about it. I know you certainly do. S- speak for yourself. Oh, uh, I'm always
1: upbeat and uh. I chirpy, don't think you were last week. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, uh, well, we can come on to it, but good wins all round for both the teams.
0: Yeah, it's a, a very rare occasion this season, but... Um, Best place to start I think is with this weekend's UFC fight card. So it's UFC two eighty one. Uh, quite a stacked card this one. Uh, tension obviously is flocking around the main event of the evening. Um any particular fights that you want to start with? Uh
1: if we just go in reverse order then I thought the one for me, there's three big fights on the main card, which we'll 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 break down in a second, but uh the sleeper for me is uh, the light heavyweight fight on the prelims. So you got Dominic Reyes versus a guy called Ryan Span. Gotta say, I haven't seen much of Ryan Spann. I think I saw him. I think he won by knockout in his last fight. Um, Reyes say not that long ago, but it might be a couple of years. Was 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 looking really good. Uh, had a took John Jones to the full five rounds, and some even sort of uh, were disputing whether or not he should have got the the nod in that decision. So um, he 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 started off with a really good he went something like 11 or 12 and 0 Reyes and now he might be staring down the barrel of like two or three, at least two if not three defeats in a row um, so he needs to, to kind of find that fire again, Ryan Spann to be use, trying to use his name as a jumping point into the top five so I think that could be a pretty good scrap
0: Well as always I absolutely have no clue whatsoever about those two fighters to be honest um, so I'll have to take your word on that And uh, What times this this card start? it's a it's Madison Square
1: Garden yeah. I think and not it will so be um, about four hours behind maybe five hours seeing as we've now gone back um, in terms of our clocks but um, I think it'll be the same time as where
0: you are I oh, was just going to say having it's, said that it might actually be quite a a lucky coincidence because yeah, I'm I in I think uh, it will be America. your time
1: yeah. uh, uh, USA is on the east coast as, as Florida is so I think if there is, there might only be a difference of an hour or two, but I think you might be same time as them, so you can watch it live.
0: I was going to say, So literally, I'm going all the way to Disneyland with uh, my girlfriend currently, and uh, so we'll we'll come on to that next week. But, um, yeah, I I might actually get to watch that, find a a bar somewhere to watch it if I don't get my head kicked in by some Americans for talking shit about them on this podcast. Let's uh, hope um, they're showing it in more bars in... uh, Florida
1: than they are wearing Ponty when we went out and tried to find it uh, Jesus on
0: Christ on... Actually, it's fun cool. we're out um, in Ponty this weekend and we were back in that pub and that last recognised us so the one that you were basically saying a lot of
1: put the fucking UFC yeah,
0: on <laughs> a lot of expletives to this, uh, this pool table's shit and you know, you've just cost me 70p for this and can't watch UFC but your bosses at home watching it and flaunting about it but yeah, she recognised us. She wasn't particularly pleased with us. So we left after her. Oh, she was plan. in quite good spirits at the time, I, I thought. She, you know, uh... she won this weekend. She was a right miserable cow. The um, boss sounds like a lazy bastard. He's just sat at home while she does all the work. She just won um... service. We literally, <laughs> <so> she, she <laughs> was behind bar and we were trying to get her t- attention. And you know what Ponte is like. It's not exactly packed. And we're like, excuse me, can we have a drink? And she was just completely blanking us. Um, service with a smile, as always. But yeah, we, we digress um i thought just because, again i'm probably preempting this because uh you're going to talk about two other fights i thought you'd give a, a bit of a mention to frankie edgar after last week's.
1: i i, I had it wrote, written down but i didn't want to sound like a broken record which i probably do every week anyway but to i'll be honest the fight doesn't particularly excite me in terms of the actual scrap uh itself even if you've got to give props to edgar but um I just hope he he signs off with a win. be a bit disappointing a bit of an anticlimactic week, I think, if he's now come out and said, yeah, I'm going to probably call it a day after this, and then he loses. Um, I think that's best done in the heat at the moment, as you've seen a few of them do, uh, with their rather grand gestures of taking the gloves off and leaving them in the ring. Um, that would probably have been a better idea, maybe, on reflection. I'm probably even I would admit that. But, yeah, looking forward to seeing his last fight. Just hope he wins. It'd be nice to send him off. Into retirement with uh, with
0: another W in the uh, win column of the uh, the other main card. Then, so is there any particular fights? I know you said two more, and I'm, I'm expecting it to be a certain two. But Chandler Poirier?
1: yeah. So that I mean that's not even the co-main event, is it? Nope. Um that's two titles. So that's not for a title. Um, Porier number two in the in the uh, the lightweight rankings, and Chandler number five. Um, I think we did say a little bit about it last week. Both very well rounded Um, Poirier is probably technically the better striker and maybe has better jiu-jitsu Chandler for me would probably be the fitter of the two, I don't know if you've ever followed him on on Instagram, he does some pretty crazy workouts and and stuff, Chandler Uh, and he's also uh, a monster wrestler, so he's got a deep, deep fuel tank and can go uh, on it's a bit bit of a shame really, it's not one of the co-main events because that's a five round fight for me
0: well, this is what we was saying last week. Like you said, we touched on it very, very um, briefly last week. But this is the fight that I'm most looking forward to seeing on this card, to be honest, because as I say, it seems like two people who actually despise each other. And I always like when there's a bit of bad blood. It just spices things up again. Um, they've obviously got a big feud to settle. Um, probably a title chance, I think. Um, I definitely agree. I mean, they're both, as fighters go, they're both actually
1: quite affable guys. I mean, they don't normally get that way. They're the type that kind of seem hard to get under the skin. Um, You know, obviously uh, Poirier's fought McGregor. McGregor wasn't really successful at doing it, and McGregor's the master. But um, it's quite surprising, really, because both normally they're they're not known as those slightly nasty, you know, sort of Nick Nick and Nate Diaz type that are just going to take you to war. They're they're a bit more of, um, you know, they'll shake hands and have a cuddle after after the beating... The shit out of each other, but yeah, biggest disappointment for me really is it's not a five rounder because <laughs> I think that could go all five rounds. Poirier uh, black belt, he is, yeah. Uh, he trains out of ATT American top team that we've talked about before where um they have uh, a murderer's row of fighters, so um, but yeah, he's uh very technically gifted with jiu jitsu, even if he doesn't really get a great deal to use it because he usually stands keeps keeps fights on his feet.
0: He's um a bit. In sort of limbo moment, I think, just based on his sort of recent track record. Obviously, he had two failed attempt, attempts to get the title. Um, he has had about a year away now, he's been out for, for, for a fair amount of time. Um, obviously, he's quite a good boxer, as like you say. Um, we had a look, so he had a total of 14 knockdowns to his name, uh, knockouts, sorry, to his name. Uh, his takedown offense is criticised somewhat but obviously he's a black belt as we've just said and he's got seven submissions on his name um, but yeah it's a weird fight to come back into it's not an easy fight to come back into by any chance
1: it's a strange one as well purely that I think we were saying neither of them have fought Makalev um, I don't think on paper either of them probably deal match up particularly well with Makalev and you could argue that actually Chandler might have the better chance of beating him because of his wrestling credentials um, but Knocked out I Ferguson, wouldn't. didn't he, Chandler, last? <coughs> he did, which, he, I mean, let's be fair, he's been on the slide, and he, Tony Ferguson, yeah. he lost to a, 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 a Nate Diaz in his, his fight before that. Um, he's not quite the the punishing, elbow, face-splitting character that he was uh, of a few years ago, when, I don't know if you've seen that mash-up of photos of people that fought Tony Ferguson, and it looks like they've gone 10 rounds with Freddy Krueger. Uh, blood everywhere, um, but he's not quite the same And if I'm being brutally honest, I feel like these two are probably just over the peak of that hill as well, in terms of on the downward slide. You're right, uh, Poirier had a couple of bouts from McGregor, didn't he? Took a little bit of time off, then uh, had his fight with Gagey. Wars probably took a bit of damage and um, added miles to the clock, which um, you don't really need. Chandler's been in some wars, particularly back in, in Bellator, before he came over to the UFC. So they've both probably got a little bit of damage on the clock there.
0: Lost on the bounce, didn't it, to Oliveira and, and Gagey uh, Chandler before knocking out Ferguson. Um, A bit of a, a side note, but opinions on his nickname? Considering you're a massive Mike Tyson fan. Iron Mike? Not sure about that.
1: I mean, if he's got one thing iron, it's probably an iron will. I mean, he, he does impose his will on people, but... I mean, tough start for to the UFC getting thrown to those two that you lost to straight away. Um, you know that, that shows you that's the difference between Bellator and the UFC that you can have a pretty good career over there, winning far more than you lose, and then you get thrown in against two fucking wolves like that. So that just shows you the level of competition. But um, yeah, he's one of those people he seems to win fights that you don't think he should win. Chandler, in some ways, and um, Poirier on paper probably should do the should do the job. Don't think, as you say, either of them are rushing to match up against Makalev. Would you Who know, are,
0: you, are we backing? Going
1: Poirier? Yeah. Tough, tough call, twin cost for me on this one. But for some reason, I, I'm, I'm, I've got an inkling towards Chandler, just because he seems to do things sometimes in these fights that you don't expect him to. So um, yeah, I've got an inkling that Chandler might do him.
0: Got two so you've got your co-main events uh, two title fights so the we'll start with the UFC strawweight championship bout so it's Carla Esparza uh, if I haven't butchered that name and Chang Ville. Um so, so the £115 title for grabs um, it, obviously she's trying to get a second rein off to a good start but I would based on everything that I've seen previously and again this is me speaking as the casual as per usual but seems a bit of a walk in the park for Verly by all accounts
1: I mean Verli's done very well in obviously I mean she gave quite famously um, Joanna Durecek that massive hematoma, uh, hematoma on, her fa- on her face where she did that I mean that was a war for the ages in terms of women's fights, it's definitely one of the best women's fights I've ever seen um, better record on paper but uh, Carla did beat It was a pretty razor-thin split decision, if I I remember rightly, but she did beat Rose uh, Nakajunas uh, for the title, and that's no joke uh, to beat Rose. I mean, Rose can be a bit up and down sometimes, but she's pretty consistent and she's pretty dominant, Uh, and she's coming in with a a six-fight win streak as well, um, Esparza. So um, it might not be the walk in the park that I think most people would think, but, yeah, I'd probably be... Leaning towards uh, Wele,
0: yeah, uh, and then obviously we've got the the main uh, actual fight that everyone seems to be looking forward to. So Adesanya and, and Alex Pereira, Um all the attentions obviously on this one. A few a few other fights that we've just mentioned there, but everything seems to be based on is is it going to be a repeat or revenge, so to speak? Um, obviously, we spoke about this previously as well, but um, Pereira seems to have. Just burst on the scene in what within the last year, De- debut in November twenty one. Yeah, um, one of
1: these guys that just goes under the radar. Very, very impressive kickboxer. Two wins as we said before against Adesanya uh, in the kickboxing ring, one by KO, one by decision. Um, came relatively late to his um, MMA career. I think mainly because he was focusing on being a striker and you know being very good at uh, kickboxing. So it's not unheard of when you can sometimes get these guys that come out of nowhere what appears to be like where's this old bastard come from he's he's nearly 30 no one's heard of him he's just been murking people in his own sport and um, Pereira is definitely one of those that um this has got fireworks written all over it and i don't know what the odds are but i would
0: definitely be interested in a little bet on pereira on this one uh, i can see if i can have a quick look uh adasanya i always dislike how they do the odds on uh, american websites adasanya is the Minus two hundred favourite. So how that you that's two to one on I think in our
1: language, so how American odds work is that shows you the price that you have to bet. I mean what a ridiculous way to do book betting anyway, but it shows you the, the amount you have to bet to win a hundred dollars. So it's minus two hundred, you've got to bet two hundred to make a hundred, so that'd be two to one on.
0: Is that what it's like in Vegas, those types of odds? Uh
1: Vegas will show you all the different ones. You uh, have the three. There's three obviously main types of odds, isn't
0: there? You're fractions, decimals, and yanks. I'm gonna say because I ain't going to Vegas in a couple of years' time. If that's, how you bet. I wouldn't have a fucking clue. It's the third of
1: the of the lines. It shows you the lines of all of them. But the other two, I'm alright with. American ones, just
0: Just nonsense. Just yeah. get with a real program.
1: <laughs> like everything, they have to just fucking change something to be to be special, don't they? But um, yeah. Uh, I mean. Adesanya is obviously the undoubtedly the technically better, uh, more boxer, accomplished as well, yeah. and, and, and more accomplished in terms of MMA by a long way. Um, Pereira is just a kickboxer. Now I think he's been working with um, some decent people from what I've seen. Um, obviously trying to round his game off a little bit and add some extra tools. C- can clearly punch and kick from kickboxing. Um, chances of Adesanya taking him down. Pretty low, so I think he probably doesn't have to be worried and too bothered about polishing his uh, take down defense for this fight. But um, it's got to be a stand up war, and this is the kind of fight we want to see for a title. Two guys going in, trying to beat the fuck out of each other. But I think if Pereira tags him, it could be an early night.
0: I'm gonna say, yeah. I mean, just from what I've written down in terms of my notes, I've got that as you've just said, uh, Adesanya is obviously the more accomplished MMA fighter the last victory that Pereira got against Adesanya was obviously only kickboxing. Rules. 2017?
1: Correct. No, 16. 16. So, I mean, it's a fair amount of time. So oh, fair... there's
0: two? Sorry, oh, I'm just looking here. There's 16. So, 16, uh, Pereira won judge um, decision, and then in 2017, he was not out. Yeah. Um, so... You were right. I, I apologise. Interrupted there and, and tried to make you look no, stupid. No, it's but it's quite uh... alright. It doesn't happen very often.
1: Um, but yeah, no, I, I think, as you say, they just, if you looked at his record, I mean, I don't even know what Pereira's record is in terms of MMA. It's probably, you know, I don't think he had many fights before he came. It's probably like 4-0, oh, something like that. So it, it's probably pretty small in terms of being having a UFC title fight. Six and one, six and one. I've just looked it up now. Six and one. So obviously, in terms of his experience on paper, it's a lot shorter than Adesanya's record of twenty-three and one. We knocked out Strickland, didn't he,
0: in his last fight? And that's not that's no joke Which, at all. E-
1: exactly. Um, you know, decent fighter, Strickland. Um, same as, I mean, obviously, Adesanya's last fight, he brought, uh, he beat uh, Jared the Killer Gorilla, Connie Air, Brilliant a, name. an awesome nickname and a terrifying-looking human being as well. Um, used to fight at heavyweight, now fights at middleweight. That's how much he slimmed down. But, yeah, he's a huge man. But
0: um, For me, I think that the game plan for Pierre needs to essentially... It's got to be constant pressure. It's got to be counter-striking. And I think Adesanya's obviously going to try and maintain the distance, move around... Remain cautious. I can't imagine he's going to want to try and trade with him um, because I think he'd be asking for trouble personally. But Stats look pretty much dead on. Just having
1: a quick look now. Both 193 centimetres tall. Uh, Pereira's reach 200.7 uh, centimetres. Adesanya's 203.2. So you're talking pretty similar all the way around in terms of... Uh, w- reach and height which for for both strikers would be important so there's no significant advantage on paper anyway either of them has over the other one in terms of that striking range either
0: I'd be backing Adesanya personally but I think the fact that this is it sounds ridiculous but the fact that this is a main event probably goes in Pereira's favour with it being a, a 25 minute fight rather than the, the 15 because it just takes one one shot doesn't it
1: Adesanya's got Slacker as time's gone on, as well. He, he looked like he got comfortable very quickly. Used to fight at an incredibly high level, seems to have dropped off a little bit in terms of his more recent results. Uh, Pereira doesn't ever usually have a seemingly limitless gas tank from the fights I've seen, but he doesn't need it. He's one of those guys that everything he throws is with really bad intentions, he's a very stiff. It's very, you know, tense and taut that, you know, if he lands something, it, you know, it's probably going to uh, cause an early night. But I would maybe give the longevity in terms of the fitness levels maybe to Adesanya. So yeah, if it goes, if it goes long into deeper, deeper waters, he might well pull off the decision if uh, he, he can't put him away. I'm not sure. I mean, that would be a real eye-opening performance if Adesanya comes out and knocks him out.
0: I was going to say, I think it's Adesanya by decision. What I was saying, and I agree entirely, I think his conditioning is definitely going to be one of the strengths that he can bring into this. And and I think Pereira probably lacks, not significantly, but in comparison to Adesanya. My point about the 25-minute length rather than the 15-minute length is essentially if he gets that one chance, and as you say, Adesanya is a little bit slack these days, he gets that one chance? I think he can smack him out. I think it's as simple as that, and that's that's the game in it. But so we'll see. And he doesn't seem to be one of those guys, Pereira, that
1: he'll hit you and then you're a bit staggered, or you need if he hits you, it's lights out, it's done. You yeah. don't need to follow up. Adesanya probably won't get a chance to get up. So if he just takes one flush, which he's a very uh, intelligent fighter, Adesanya, he, he works distance well. He knows. You know, all the build-up is this guy's laid you out. He's beat you twice, including your last knockout. You know, he's—you'd think anyway—he's going to be very, very cautious to get into a firefight with him, based on the publicity, the way that that went for him the last time out. Uh, You know, he might be a lot of things. Adesanya very cocksure of himself, but as you say, he's got a high fight IQ. If you ask me, like you know, he watches what's going on. He's, He's making adjustments. He's fighting someone. Surely, even his coaches would be saying, "Do not get sucked into a fucking firefight with this guy."
0: he'll it lose. Like, yeah, he'll lose if that's what happens. But um, I'll make sure to text you when it's what, four o'clock over here, and I'm I'm watching it at a, a normal time in a pub. that will be a bit of a weird experience for me. But uh, yeah,
1: good card though. No, not I got to be honest. Even though it's got some, you know, pretty stacked, pretty decent fights on it, nowhere near as excited as it was for 280. I don't think. I don't think it comes quite. Anyway, we're in it, close to that Yeah, in terms of excitement
0: definitely Um, it's still like you say it's still a good card but it's different level in it completely different level
1: only thing is I think this is the last good card now will be likely until uh, Super Bowl so we've had two pretty good ones in a row um, there might be one more num- I think well there is, isn't there there's 282 that we've talked about we're supposed to have Bo nickel one that's gone falling through potentially was having stipe versus john jones that's fallen through so i don't know what they're going to do to hold that card up now but usually around christmas time it can go a bit quiet you do sometimes get quite good fights in japan uh in uh rising is their biggest now um promotion and they seem to put on what's quite famous and they used to do when it was pride a new year's eve event so they might have a big one um, on New Year's Eve. I haven't seen anything come out about that yet, but I think after this fight, it's going to be quiet at UFC
0: until say early Feb. You New say Tuesday that two eight two isn't too bad. I'm just looking at this. So Praszkier and uh, Texteria, yeah. So that's the, your main event. You've got Robbie Lawler. Um, and not a chance. Am I going to try and say the, the name of the, the guy that he's fighting? Um, Paddy, Paddy the Baddies on it. Is and he? He's fighting Jared Gordon. Yeah. Um, Darren Till's on it. Till's versus uh, a look. Chris Dacus is on it.
1: Dacus. Um, it seems surprising that they've put some... Um, I didn't realise that that was... say They must have filled a few... And especially, the, the yeah. more strange thing from what we were reading recently was Dana White coming out and saying what a big event he was going to put on in the UK for fans, probably for Leon Edwards to get a title fight. But you've got Paddy and Till, who would definitely be two staples of any card in the UK... On another card. So that tells me that's not gonna be any time soon. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna say it'll be probably summertime, will I'm just looking at Tapora. Uh Tepora is on um I think it's is it the undercard or is it the prelims? But yeah, I, I quite like watching him. Um he's a bit more of a explosive that's alright card is that,
1: that is, yeah better than i thought, I didn't yeah, I didn't realise the two uh two English boys were on it to be honest. So
0: um that will be um two good fights to watch so yeah so definitely to, be watching it.
1: when's that sort of
0: um, it's 10th so, of December it says I'm trying to see where it's at it's at ah uh, it's Vegas so it'll be at a stupid time in the morning
1: so it sounds like as well that might be either be at the main thing they do in Vegas or the Apex which is their little kind of own it's um, the T-Mobile
0: Arena ah yeah. uh, that's the one uh,
1: so T-Mobile is the big one that's where the Las Vegas Knights play on the MGM oh, ground
0: okay. Um but yeah, um, definitely looking forward to that. And as I said, I'll be uh, be messaging you, I'm sure, while well, um, I'm over there enjoying the sun and you're enjoying this horrendous weather that seems to be getting in the uh, UK at the moment. But um, football, so as I was saying right at the beginning, a lot more, <coughs> or a lot more, a lot happier this week and nearly wasn't uh, at half-time of, of our game and then shortly after half-time at 3-1 down. But yeah, we both won this week um, a lot of goals this weekend
1: I looked it up for you earlier so it's 37 goals uh, in the game week record was in September 2020 uh, 44 goals in a week so pretty close but yeah I mean Saturday obviously it's always a bit quieter when you don't play Saturday obviously you were playing I was just at home watching the scores at 3 o'clock on uh, Saturday but loads of goals in the Saturday games in particular weren't there goals uh, plenty um good character uh from Leeds you know going 3-1 down at home probably the, I would imagine Ellen Roade turned a little bit there was little a little booing. bit where yeah, it, it went a little bit nasty but um I think that is a good we were saying weren't we that they had to the good work against Liverpool gets undone if you lose at home to Bournemouth and um they were very close to doing it so It looked a little bit close but um Nonto again so yeah. seems to make a difference Third week in a row with a goal from, from Somerville. Um,
0: and for Rodrigo, he just seems to be scoring. And we're having a conversation about this before, and I'm talking to my mates about Rodrigo because I know that you said, I think in our first episode, that people sleep on Rodrigo and that you rate him. He is still one of the most polarising players, I think, that for Leeds fans, just because essentially he'll get so much stick and it's not unjustified. He gives the ball away consistently. He seems to try and lay it off for people to have a shot against his own team um, he's out of position a lot he seems to be a bit laboured in some of the things he's done but then you have a look at his stats and he's got 7 goals in 12 games 11 starts that is so 7 goals in 11 starts is, is exactly what Leeds need and if, if someone said to me now oh we're going to go get a striker in January he's not going to do anything else for you but he's going to score 7 goals or that particular ratio of goals per game you'd be like yeah I'll snap your hand off for that so it's, it's a really weird situation that Rodrigo's in at the moment.
1: I think he's one of those players in some ways that gets a little bit tarnished by the fact... I mean, another one I can think of, probably not quite so polarizing and extreme, we discussed last week, was like Joe Linton. So He's came in as bought as a striker. Steve Bruce, the, the clown that he is, was playing him centre mid. And if you then look at his stats, they're woeful. The amount of goals that he'd scored for Newcastle, but if you're playing completely out of position in a position that you don't usually play, that's to be expected. And I can't help but feel with Rodrigo, even the very when I said to you, he's a, he's a very, he's an effective striker because one, he's quick and he can score goals, but two, the the harm that he does further back in the pitch, like the crazy crossfield ball that infamously gave a goal away this season. It's reduced if you just stick him up top on his own. isn't it? When when they were trying to play him as a bit of a, a winger or out wide or an attacking mid, I felt, one, you're not using him to his potential, but two, you expose him more because he's going to have more on the ball, so he's going to give it away more. Just stick him up the top,
0: look for, to fire his pace and hit balls through for him. I think he does you a job. Just weird. I, I couldn't tell you one good goal that he scored this season, which says a lot. See, He's scored quite a few, obviously, but... Nothing is stand out. It's not one of these where I can remember him being play through when he's through on goal and he slots it home like a, a clinical number nine, a bit like obviously Salah did um, in the the game with Spurs. But yeah, I just I, he's so so strange of a, a player. I just I can't put my finger on what the issue that we have with him as Leeds fans. But there is just something there that I, I'm just not convinced by, even though his stats tell me to basically fuck off. Um, but yeah um, could go on about Leeds for a while won't do because obviously I'll end up taking up like 20 minutes of this podcast Um, I thought your result is quite a good result on the back of some questionable um, results in the last few weeks Klopp under quite a bit of pressure and obviously then you go away to Spurs who seem to be hit and miss this season we've talked quite in detail about them and then pull off a a 2-1 win did think that you were going to lose it in terms of the, the actual result um, when it went 2-1, when Kane scored, it seemed like they were in the ascendancy and I think they hit the bar a couple of times, but held out and that's what good teams do. They ride the, the wave of uh, when they're doing well in the game and then defend as they have done.
1: Didn't feel quite as... I could see it coming like it seemed to with Leeds, but agreed, we, we were by far the better team in the first half. I thought we outplayed them, uh, outworked them and thought, again, give you a bit of a snippet of our... Liverpool back to the the form of the last few years as soon as it went 2-1 you're like fuck this could be a nervy last I, mean, I think it's about 70 minutes they scored and this was when I thought then right well what Liverpool are we looking at here is this Liverpool from this season that give away those goals crack under a bit of pressure or can we eke it out a bit like we did against Man City and, and find that resolution so um yeah, I was I was more than happy with that, particularly as I say, I've got a mate who's a, a season ticket holder at Spurs, so it's good to fucking give him some shit. Um, but yeah, happy enough with that. But I mean, again, it's a bit of a mixed bag really for Liverpool. When we look at the, the last three games we've won, Tottenham, Man City and Napoli, you know, three very... then you very, look at the games and that you've lost. We've lost to Forest and Leeds. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a... It's, it's that kind of season, isn't it? It seems at the moment you can't put your finger on... Um, anything and nothing feels guaranteed. But yeah, there was definitely a, a moment when I thought we were going to throw this fucking away when Kane scored.
0: Still a long way to go for you, I think. Obviously, your season can change. I don't think you're going to end up getting anywhere near title, but we've already discussed that. I think obviously the aim is now top four. Um, obviously, you said previously, and I think it was last week or week before, doesn't matter if uh, you win Champions League, where you finish. So there is always that. Um, I think you might struggle considering that you pulled Madrid out in the next round. Uh, but before we get onto to the, the Champions League, obviously a bit of a rundown of the other results. Um, Brighton obviously picked up a second win under win. it. I thought it was a very good win. Um, Mitoma, I was really impressed by. I was watching day; He <laughs> looks like a very good player. So he'll be in the World Cup with Japan. Um, just really clever, really tricky, really clever, and scored quite a good header considering his size. So I was very impressed with Brighton. Um, Wolves obviously now have now appointed a new manager um, I'm not going to try and say his name not me I, I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to give it a go then but yeah um, obviously a very good manager so we'll see if they pick up in form because at the moment they are languishing so they're 19th in the table they don't really look like they're going to pick up any wins anytime soon but in all fairness they did have a man sent off um, for a ridiculous tackle Semedo I think rugby tackled him as he's running through, but nonsense. City um,
1: had a man off as sent off as well, didn't they? And still did you managed see to this? come did I you didn't see, the... see I did I haven't seen I saw the goals and Harland's penalty. I have not seen Cancelo wasn't it? It was.
0: Somebody. So it's a ball over the top, Fulham are in the game at all. Ball over the top. Um I can't remember if it was Pereira that were running on to obviously former man new player who took the penalty and scored, so I'm sure that went down well. But um It's a weird one. Canceler Sight kind of like shoulder barges him. and It's a clear shoulder barge in what you would usually expect to happen anywhere else in the pitch. Goes down like a sack of shit, obviously, because there's a penalty opportunity, and he gets sent off for it. And the reason for the sending off is essentially because they say that he hasn't tried to play the ball, and therefore there's no double jeopardy because we can give a red card for that. I think it's a bit of a weird... Decision to be honest, and if you get a chance to have a look at it, I I definitely recommend it. But yeah, I I could see a yellow card at the most. Red card seems to be nonsense. It's not as though he swipes his legs, it's not as though he pulls him down. It is literally just a shoulder badge, and he just goes down and then gets a red card.
1: Again, character building for City when they you know you think to this is they're going to throw points away, then come on and Harlem puts a penalty away to. I mean, I, I think they had. Other chances they could have, could and should have scored. Two disallowed they? goals. Yeah, um, Johnstone
0: scored and that were offside, and Haaland scored straight after coming on, and that would disallowed for offside as well. But
1: I feel at the moment, as much as it sounds stupid, I actually feel like celebrating when City win because at least they're keeping it closer in onto Arsenal. And we've talked about Arsenal; every game they go seems to be just eking it out a little bit. I watched them uh, on Sunday. I thought they were pretty good, to be honest with you. I thought Spurs, um, Chelsea, sorry, didn't really bring much to the table. I mean, I'm, I'm not even sure if I really recall Chelsea having any clear chances.
0: Just Didn't really do anything.
1: Completely ineffective up front. Yeah. They seemed.
0: Um, Sterling falling out of form once again just before a World Cup, which will be handy for Salibre us.
1: Saliba looks classy, doesn't he? Yeah. Just what what he was. Everything he does, he looks like one of those players who's just classy. Just considering he's only 21 as well. Very much so, and considering Arsenal were getting pelters for well, have you spent all this money on a defender? you loading him out all the time. You know that time away has done him the world of
0: good, and he, 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 you know, he's come back. Two seasons in France, I think it was, wasn't it? Um, Interesting one for you. Just while we're on Arsenal, um, Ben White currently been playing right back. He's obviously a centre back by trade. Played with Leeds fantastically. Also then had a season at Brighton. Um, obviously his, his parent club at that time. Arsenal bought him for big money. You would have thought he's coming in as a centre back. He's almost exclusively played as a right back this season. Um, got quite a few clean sheets. I think it's double figures of the clean sheets that they've got. Um, does he go to the World Cup as a right back? No, I'd take him as centre back and uh, having a little
1: bit of um versatility, versatility is, is, is not a bad thing, but versatility in the position that we've got the most decent players in. Now, I know Rhys James is definitely out of the World Cup, in I think, is it? I think so, so that's a blow. Um Trippier would be probably uh, starting from. Oh, I'd probably stay play Walker, but you got Walker, Trippier, Walker, Trent. If you want to take him, um, so I, I've got to be honest, I can't justify putting him in over any of those. And as much as I think he's not a bad player, tell me he's not just being shoehorned into that Arsenal team because they've got Saliba and Gabriel playing at centre back. Agreed. He's just getting,
0: just looking here so Rich James isn't officially out yet and right. he's uh I don't know if you're him with Chilwell because Chilwell's definitely out you left back he um announced... I thought they
1: as I said knew it was going to be touch and go and they were talking about him on uh the weekend and I couldn't disagree but how different Chelsea play with him as a, his him as a right wing back what that he gives you defensively going forward he gives you a not a really decent outlet and strong persistent running down that out, uh, outside right, he can cross a ball um, they look a real. they've played Sterling there, they've looked a real kind of mishmash and they Without, they haven't got a very obvious uh, backup for him um, so they seem to be struggling without him but um, I thought they might have said on the Sunday match that um, he was looking, maybe doubtful definitely not out, Wait, certainly if, doubtful
0: I'll be honest, I, I don't disagree, I think if he's fit, obviously it's a big if at this point in time, it might take him as Semi injured. Um, I know Southgate's got a bit of a, a track record of doing that. Um, and then West, I think he'll do it with Calvin Phillips as well, unfortunately. But um, yeah, Rhys James for me is the starting right back. While Trent's out of form, I don't think there's any question about it if he's, he's fully fit. But yeah, it was just a curiosity just to see what you'd do with uh, Ben White. I'd take him personally, as you say, the, the versatility there. Not necessarily a starter, but I'll be honest, I'd be tempted to play him at centre back. It's not as though we're well, Maguire's not Giants. playing is
1: he for Man U? Um I know he's captain and Southgate might stick him in anyway, but that I am never a fan of playing, particularly someone at centre back who feels like they need to be playing each week to have the you know, get their eye in and, and be reading the game properly. Um I mean I think Dyer obviously had a bit of a shocker uh, against uh, Liverpool with his with his back header but had been pretty good and I think would be I would definitely take him. Um I mean a shout outside one well, I know we've mentioned a few times um that doesn't seem to get any love from from Gareth or any other English fans is Tamori.
0: Well, yeah, well, I like Tamori. I really do like Tamori. I think he's a very good player. I think if he was playing in England, he'd probably be a bigger shout, which is a bit backwards for me because I think people like Duke Bellingham, which we've definitely talked about him a number of times on this podcast, um, but have significantly developed and benefited from going abroad. And you won't get that sort of development at an English club.
1: Totally agree. I mean, one, that if you're talking about someone like uh, Dyer coming back from, you know, uh, the wilderness internationally like that. Chris Smalling, never a big fan of him when he was at the Scum, but seems to be super solid all of a sudden and incredibly reliable for for Jose and for Roma. And another show, one it? that's well, been over there. um you know seems to have the um, experience and maybe going abroad has suited him well. The lifestyle when he seems to have picked himself up off off the floor a bit and. Looking decent, but he he would be enough. If you've got someone like Dyer getting shouts of oh you should maybe consider taking him, how is how is Smalling
0: at least not in the conversation? Agreed, agreed. Um just back to this uh weekend results, um, do you see any of the Forrest and Brentford game? Uh did not. Very controversial. So Forrest denied three penalties, uh very soft penalties if they were given. But then Brentford get a penalty for something even softer it's basically he just throws himself to the floor Henderson comes out and, and gets it's like his fingertip on his shin he's already going down it's one of those proper stereotypical dives but then gets a penalty for it um, no way on earth it can be a penalty if the other three aren't given and then Forrest get a very late, late equaliser Yeah, I think 96th minute or 95th minute but yeah two teams that just don't look it's obviously ridiculous for me to say about Brentford considering they humbled us the other week but They don't look like they're going to be doing much this season, look like they're going to be languishing. Forrester are are absolutely desperate for points at the moment and just can't seem to pick up any wins anywhere. Um, One to watch for me in terms of the relegation battle is Everton because they were awful last season. They don't seem to have turned any corners at all. Leicester obviously have turned a corner this season considering the fans wanted Rodgers out a few weeks back and he's, he's done a good job to steer that shit back on course but Everton are just atrocious there's there's no discernible playing style you can't watch them and think I can see what they're trying to do it's just not coming off it just looks like a clueless manager and a a team that don't know what to do I
1: I agree I mean obviously not my favourite team ever anyway and I'm not a big fan of Lampard as a manager but they seem to have got themselves out of the mire with a few results and thought "Oh, maybe they're not as much trouble as I thought but I mean the craziest one for me which was after Saturday's results I think I was texting you after the game you were alright it's now gone to four points because we beat Chelsea you were one point off Liverpool after you won everyone's talking about oh Leeds I mean, like, bad season Liverpool do it. like that would be horrendous and I just had brought, brought the table up now just because I thought just to get a perspe- bit of perspective so Liverpool in eighth um, 19 points after that I mean for a start we're equal on points with um, Crystal Palace and Fulham which <laughs> one promoted team and one team that everybody thought we were going to do dog shit anyway. Um, you've then got from eighth down to 18th, where Southampton then occupy the first of the uh, relegation spots. They're on 12 points. You've got seven points, basically, from Europe down to the bottom. So it is a congested league in there. And even, I mean, that, even Wolves haven't been, sorry, Forest haven't been blown away yet in terms of a cut adrift. They're on 10 points. So you've got from bottom of the league to eighth. Is
0: uh, nine points. Well, Leeds is a very good, and again, I, I try not to talk too much about Leeds because my bias shines through, but it does show quite considerably that this league is essentially going nowhere. You've got teams running away with it at top obviously, Arsenal um, and, and Man City, and then just Newcastle just chilling in top four because, and we'll come on to them because they're doing outstanding this season. But considering Leeds were winless in eight. They'd lost four games going into the Liverpool game, and two wins has taken us mid table. That's ridiculous. Leicester how it Everyone yeah. was saying
1: about how dog shit they were. They've they had a couple down, of results, yeah. and now they're up to 14th um, and looking you know, renewed. And just only one thing I was just going to say because I thought of how more people don't seem to be talking about this. So Leicester obviously won. Screamer from T. Elements. Fantastic, girl. Um, He's out of contract in the summer. And for all of Liverpool's defensive, uh, sorry, midfield problems, not once has I ever heard his name been linked with a free transfer. 20, about 25, 24. I think Arsenal want him Good over. age. Uh, you know, is he perfect for exactly what we need? No, but he's got a bit of energy. He can do a bit of anything. And if you've got Bellingham and him, that would be two nice uh, additions to that midfield. But um, I just thought watching him
0: score that screen as well, it's like, how are not more teams interested in one of three? we'll mention it now then just before going to the other results about Bellingham and about potential transfer targets because the news has come out this week that um FSG have put Liverpool up for sale so it's a really interesting and strange time to come out and say that uh, it's obviously the athletic have reported it and your very cynical nature has come out and said that you think that this is because Basically, they don't want to spend money. They know that there's quite clearly gaps. Uh, the transfer window's coming up. Obviously, the World Cup is going to take a considerable amount of the season out. So, we're essentially almost at the January transfer window within a few weeks, um, which seems weird how, how quickly this year has gone, to be honest. But it seems to be that you think that this is a, a diversion tactic or just a. This is like an Anderson
1: Silva coming out and saying, I got knocked down twice in sparring last week. It's excuses already. So. To me, there's no real uh, mystery with the timing. They know they've come to the bit of an end of a cycle in terms of the players, not necessarily the manager, but in terms of the youth in the team. It needs a fair bit of money thrown at it, given what players cost these days, belling them stupid amounts, talking 130 odd million or something like that. I think this is... I wouldn't say expected, because that would be an outrageous lie, but actually it's not even that unsurprising to me, given how we're doing this season, given their reluctance to ever go out and spend big. And I think then, how I think the official statement came out was, it's not for sale, but we're always open to investment. So if someone wants to come in and buy us for a shitload of money, we'll sell it. But that, to me, is trying to sound like they're not desperate which they probably are if they're saying that, but it's also then an excuse to say, why didn't you spend 130 on Bellingham in, in, in the January transfer window? Well, we're selling the club. No one's going to just go and spend 130 million if you're an outgoing owner. So all of a sudden when that news broke, I was like, ah, I see it now. So it makes it's, a bit of sense.
0: It's a weird one for me, listening to you say about your owners not spending, for example, because obviously I'm talking from the perspective as a Leeds fan and I've obviously been through the mire with football for the last sort of 15 years when we came back to the Premier League we did spend a little bit but nowhere near the level of a Liverpool of a, a Man City so it's always strange to see that different opinion because obviously a, a lot of Liverpool fans it's not just you think this that essentially they don't really spend that much money they seem to keep their hands in the pockets um, majority of the time and they don't really look to improve the squad overall but then you look at the, the players that they brought in and the prices that they brought them for. So you, Allison, you know Van Dijk, they're not cheap players. And the argument I know that a lot of Liverpool fans make is always that their uh, net spend is around minimal. But what is it this season? So what were the the transfer? So you had Diaz, didn't you?
1: So Diaz was January, January, so it depends when you technically which window you class summer, at. He was so like 37 million Diaz, which now looks a fucking bargain as things go. Um, so the summer, really, uh, obviously, the notable uh, layout was for Darwin. I think it was about 60 ish up front, rising to about 85 with all the um, add ons. Got 30 back for Sadio, so that instantly drops that net spend a bit. Um, and I think. When I saw a thing on net spends over the last three or four years, Liverpool were way below the scum, City, even Chelsea. I mean, I think, do we spend money? Yes. And probably with the perspective of other teams, that makes it sound like I'm being ridiculous and I'm used to very luxurious ways of the spending. But Liverpool are pretty well run. In the players that you just said about who, who they bought, all funded by two player sales there, which was Coutinho and Suarez. 200 million coming in from those two players alone. Allison was about 65, Van Dijk was 75, bang, you know, you add in a couple of more that they brought in at that time, actually you're still on a, you know, net over, uh, underspend given the amount of money that we've got for Coutinho and Suarez. So, um, would it be nice to have some other oil baron come in buy us and start chucking oil money like City uh, have at it? Because, yeah, that's exactly what we need now. But, Given um, the players out in terms of Newcastle, PSG, uh, and who they're owned by, I don't see any other particularly large um, countries out there with oil money queuing up to, to buy a Premier League team.
0: I'm just going to revert back to the comments because I'm just uh, while you've been talking there, uh, I now have been listening. I'm not I'm not just ignoring you, I promise. But um, I'm just looking at the expenditure over the, the income over the last few years to Liverpool. So starting back in 1819 season. Um, expenditure, so I'll go for the overall balances. So basically, obviously, minus is um, spent more than the income. But um eighteen nineteen you went out and got obviously Allison, Kaita, Fabinho, um, Shakiri for that season. That's weird. It That's depends, it. That it'd be slightly buoyed if it probably isn't.
1: If you're talking pure income and expenditure, it might not be the best metric because, like, that year. Got to the Champions League final, so that's going to give you like 25 50 million boost in income. Just it, it's probably net spend, uh, still net spend would be the better metric, I would say, in terms of transfer ins and outs because anything we have bought could get lost in the income of those. Obviously,
0: 18 and 19 final, well, we yeah. lost against Real, and then we beat Spurs. Your net spend is obviously your expenditure and your, your income taken to it, so we'll, we'll look at the net spend then. So, 18 19 season minus 140 million. So, you spent obviously big on Alisson, Kite, um, and for big. two players on isn't it? That's basically Alisson and Van Dyke there, 140. Uh, Kai, uh, Van Dyke even on this list? It's weird. Van Dyke in the same season? He came in January. Um, so, maybe he came uh, in that. That like... might be why. Yeah, so Van Dyke is under 17, 18. So, obviously, that's the. Salah is that season as well, weirdly. <laughs> Oxlade Chamberlain for 40. Um, so, we'll go on the. After Van Dyke, then so obviously Van Dyke with the the eighty odd million or whatever it was ridiculous at that time. But Allison sixty two, Kite sixty, Fabinho forty five. So in that season, so eighteen nineteen, it's an overall balance of minus one hundred and forty. So big spending. Next season, so nineteen twenty, you made a profit of thirty four million. So you only brought in Vandenberg.
1: Still play for you? Yeah, he's he's on
0: loan at. Preston, I think, is. Oh, right. Interesting. Um, so Minamino was your biggest um, transfer then. Seven and a half mil. Seven and a half mil. Unbelievably, Danny Ings <laughs> is your biggest uh, sale there. So you've got Ryan Kent that season. You've got seven million for Minulay. That's ridiculous. But uh, you got 25 mil roughly for Danny Ings. These are all in euros, by the way. So plus 34. So you're about minus uh, 100 at the moment. Yeah. So next season, 2021. Uh, Jota came in that year, Tiago, uh, Simicas and then who went out. Lovren is your biggest uh, sale for twelve million, so in that season, minus sixty six. So you're currently about hundred and sixty six mil spent three
1: seasons, yeah.
0: Next one, uh Diaz, Canate, uh Harvey Elliott, which that's not a I mean he's down a zero because I think he just came up from under twenty one, isn't he? But um your biggest sale that season was Wilson. 14 mil um, and then obviously you've got Forrest's current striker as well who went out for about 8 there's minus 57 so what are we on at the moment about 200, 210 this season Nunez um, obviously the big sales to be fair you did quite well to get rid of Neko Williams for uh, 20 million Minamino went, uh, went out for 15 Grucic went out for 9 but even that sale with all that because Nunes cost so much That's minus 14 million. So, over the last five years, your net spend is about minus 240 mil.
1: Yes, it's about 50 mil a year. So I, I think they
0: do spend, it's just, it's not to the level of City, for example, because Liverpool aren't quite at that standard or at that position where they're owned by dirty oil money either, but... Yeah, I I just think the main point that we're raising that is essentially because looking at it from an outsider as a a club that's quite small in comparison with Leeds, which obviously pains me to say, I'd fucking love to be spending minus 250 million over the last few years. Um, Yeah,
1: I'm kind of lucky in that sense that Liverpool, as you say, it's not not like supporting a League One team, is it? Fucking spending 300,000 on your your record sign or anything like that it's all uh, relative but um yeah I just think again if you broke that down even if you're talking 230, 240 million that's like five players these days isn't it that, that's the thing it, in monetary terms that sounds expensive but if you suddenly said Nunes, Van Dyke, Alisson, kaita, that's probably them and maybe one more so it's, it's also rubbed in just when City can go out and again they've got all that money anyway and then they get a st- the best player in the world for fifty-seven million. But it's, it's, City
0: is a, a complete not allowed outlier because they just take piss. So you look at the Calvin Phillips saga is the best example of that. Yeah, we've got arguably one of the best, if not the best, centre defensive midfielder in the world. But I'm going to buy another one, not because we need it. He's injured. Don't really care. He's probably going to sit on bench all season. But we're still going to spend fifty million on him, or forty million on him. It's outrageous how they do it. But
1: but then that isn't that how a team like Leeds sometimes can progress in that Phillips was. You know, the king around the uh, the town, you know, local lad, captain his own team. But I'll be honest with you, Roberts, that's a far better player than me, for me. And Adams. What, uh, Adams, sorry, yeah. yeah. And at what, half the half the money?
0: Uh, if that, I think you were about a quarter of it. Think so
1: it the, that's how you build a team, is, is that progression. And right, let him go, because he's English, we'll, we'll, we'll get a premium off City and then we'll invest that in a better
0: way. And I feel that your team is infinitely better off with with Agreed. Uh, Adams rather than... Um... Because of the way that we play now as well, we don't need that quarterback type of defensive midfielder like with Bielsa. Um And to be honest, obviously it's still early days, Sinistera looks quite a good player, and he's obviously the replacement for uh, Rafinha. So, and Rafinha's apparently not having a good time for, at Barca, so if he wants to come back, you know, he's more than welcome to. Um, a few other bits and pieces then. Uh, Southampton sacked the manager uh, another spanking given out by Newcastle who look outstanding this season Almiron with another goal to add to his tally um, Sir so Hassan Hulton has, has left it on Monday so he was sacked uh, after the 4-1 home defeat and I think I'm just looking at the records here. Southampton have won one of the past nine matches so they're in relegation zone, have you seen who they're speaking to? Been given permission? It'd been
1: coming to be fair, and it? Like there'd been pressure on him building for a few weeks and he was the obvious next one. No, you know, Leicester seemed to have a bit of a bounce, they've done alright. Wolves would have been sacked if he if he hadn't have already gone, but um No, I mean I always think Raffer and Dyche looming.
0: Nope. It's a weird one, proper left field one. there's a championship manager at the moment. Um that Beal No, but he does keep popping up. I I think he'll probably stay all season. Oh,
1: let me guess, because he's already had one good job, hasn't he? Um, Nathan Jones.
0: Correct. Yes. uh, Disaster. Waiting to happen. I just don't understand the logic in that. If you're struggling at the bottom end of the table, I'm not saying go and get Sean Dyche. I'm not saying go and get Big Sam, etc., etc. But how does... Nathan Jones come in and change it.
1: If I'm not mistaken, wasn't Nathan Jones the Luton manager? So did really well, made a little fluke plaudits, got the stoke job, was absolutely terrible. abysmal, fired real quickly, fucked off with his tail between his legs back to Luton, built him back up again, and now people are looking at doing exactly the same thing. Learn your lesson, that would be a terrible appointment for me for Southampton.
0: I, I'm, I'm going to say I completely agree with you. and obviously we'll probably be able to eat his words and watch him go in a massive run if they do appoint him now. but. I don't understand where that comes from I, I, I... it's
1: not a safe pair of hands is no. it? someone who's doing well at Luton in the championship does not scream to me this guy's going to save us from relegation and as much as I'd give it to Dice every day before I'd give it, to, that, give it to, to Jones if I was either in the Southampton board or a Southampton fan I would be screaming at them like what the fuck are you doing that I mean, is a car crash waiting to happen.
0: They're 8th at the moment, a Luton, um, with 29 points, so they're only 2 points out of the um, playoffs. But, yeah, I just, I can't, I don't quite understand that. You'd be pissed off if you are a Luton fan, because you were like, well... Taking him back, well, yeah. equally,
1: wouldn't you say, We just wait, give him an interim manager, he'll get fired after 8 games at months. Southampton, and we'll get him back again for a third time to take us up. But, yeah, I, I would agree that it doesn't... Uh, just yeah, no. All round for me. Stay where you are. You're doing well, uh, Jones. Keep it going. See if you can get yourself promoted,
0: Southampton Stairway. Um, Champions League draw this week?
1: Yeah. So bit
0: of a shit draw for Liverpool. Yeah, for his view, yeah. Couldn't have been
1: much worse, could it? Um so we've got running through the draw, uh, Liverpool, uh, Royale. Um only thing I would say, I said to you only a couple of weeks ago about Liverpool. I, I never count them out of a two-leg tie. I'm always far more favourable of that two-leg tie if we get the second leg at uh, Anfield, which doesn't happen this time. So, first leg uh, is at Anfield and then to Real. Uh, second game is, I have to be honest, I think you called it exactly right, which was Leipzig City.
0: Which is really weird because I, I literally did say on last week's uh, pod that that is exactly the draw. I don't know why I knew that and I probably should have put money on it because... You'd probably get quite good odds what kind on kind of
1: lunatic but... bets on who's <laughs> going to get drawn who? that would have been a, No, don't do
0: that. That would what, be a crazy What, what bet. kind of lunatic correctly calls that draw? It's just, it was one of those where I knew it was going to happen. I don't know why. It's like Back to the Future, and I've got a little book that basically tells me everything that happens.
1: Tell me what's going to happen next, and we will put some money on you it. Get relegated next, next season. <laughs> next, <season. laughs> we've got a uh, bit of a, an, uh, an an underdog uh, as tie in Club Bruges versus Benfica. Your favourite I mean, team? In That's who it. I was hoping Liverpool would get. Benfica or Porto. So we missed out on that. You got AC Milan, Tottenham. So it's a pretty big uh, a draw for for Spurs. Eintracht Frankfurt versus Napoli.
0: Um, I won't count Frankfurt out of that, by the way. I think Napoli are very good, but
1: they could have bad days, and we yeah. we, we we caught them on a, a day that they weren't great. Uh, Dortmund versus Chelsea. Inter versus Porto, and then what has to be the tie of the round? PSG Bayern. Yeah proper
0: big hitters uh, two big big that.
1: teams that one um you know you've got a lot of uh dynamics going on in that one as well um on a, on a side note just because i've mentioned him now and i didn't until i, I clicked on him at the weekend realized quite i've read these stories about uh chuopo mooting it's a uh, PSG's I did player see this yeah uh, manu it, it was apparently Manu you were interested with in him and i was like what on earth are you talking about who's interested in him. Have you seen his stats this season? Yeah, and I look, it's got like eight games in a row that he scored or something like that. He's got a crazy number of goals. I mean, how he's even playing in uh, their team, given that the, the attacking uh, talent that Bayern have got is pretty crazy.
0: Unbelievable. Literally but, unbelievable. Um,
1: yeah, he, he's definitely hit a bit of a groove of form or something like that. But yeah, banging them in and um, yeah. Uh, did see just as what was talking about, it looks like he may well now be going to the World Cup because Timo Werner, I think, is confirmed to be out for um for Germany. He's, have you seen Dortmund's young kid? So this is the, the lad that is now replacing um Haaland in their team. Makoko, Seventeen. Is this the
0: one that you've been linked with?
1: Uh yes. Uh, out of contract in the summer. So um but his bit, he's been one that has for real football goons like me, been on the radar for a while. Like, I think he made his debut for Dortmund at 15. He had some ridiculous scoring record in, like, their under-21s, which I might even be able to just pull up. Um, again, in their under-19s game in the nineteen twenty season, he had 34 goals in 14 games. Uh, the second season, he had 10 in three before they promoted him up to the full team at 15 I'm just 34 looking here, so in 14
0: is insane became the youngest person recently at the age of 17 years and 350 days to reach 10 career Bundesliga goals so he's clearly I can't believe I've never heard of him he's clearly uh, doing quite well over Yusufa there. I think
1: Yusufa Makoko but yeah this stats for this season uh, 6 goals 3 assists in 12 games which is ridiculous not bad for a 17 year old f- f- tasked with filling the biggest boots there is in terms of Haaland yeah Absolutely. Um so he looks like he might be going to the World Cup as well, uh, because of the injuries for, for Germany. So that works out pretty well for them. Uh in terms of the Europa draw, sorry from any anything else you want to say on any no, of those games?
0: We're I'm, I'm gonna just go on to the Europa draw just because obviously the big one, um, the big battle of the losers this season. Um Shaktar <laughs> It's more interesting to watch Shakhtar Wrens. Um, um we've got Ju- Juve Nance. Uh, is a
1: game we have sport in Lisbon versus Mahi'i Land, who I think that's how you say them, they are Danish. Uh, Chateau de Nex versus Rennes, Ajax versus the Bundesliga surprise package Union Berlin, whose will seem to have slightly fallen off. They've seen they've lost a couple since of games since we, in we a did row. a
0: little bit of a talk on them, so um, sorry, sorry for that.
1: Bayer Leverkusen versus Monaco, it's a pretty good tie. Sevilla versus PSV Eindhoven, pretty decent tie. Red Bull Salzburg versus Roma, and then, um. A shitty game that I'm sure no one's bothered
0: about in terms of Barca, would you? I'll be, I'll be honest, I think that'll be a really good game just because I think it'll be so boring in terms of what you'd expect and I think it'll just be two really poor teams trying to outdo each other <coughs> uh, consistently. I don't think that there's really any excitement from neutrals other than the fact that it's big names.
1: Agreed. Um, I still think of those two, the, the, the funny thing is is Manu are probably being underestimated in that they seem to be doing quite well in the league and I couldn't believe it, how high they were in the league until they're humbling by Villa, which was very enjoyable to watch. Because um Spanish league isn't quite as com- competitive, Barca are pretty well off in second, I think, behind Real, but seem to be playing dog shit and not really playing very well at all. So, um, I could see if it stays like that that the scum could get. I wouldn't. Uh, Barca are definitely not the team that should need to be feared like they used to be. I mean, man, you go in there and getting a result or taking them back to to Old Trafford and winning that is definitely within the realm of uh, possibilities.
0: I'd be back backing Manu in this. I think there's a lot of talk this season about how poor Barca look, and we've we've covered Manu obviously in the sense that there's a lot of talk about how poor. Ten Hag's start has been, and, and yet still they're ticking along quite nicely in the league considering the amount of stick that they've got. And we've obviously point, already pointed out that they're above you. So after all the stick that they've got, they're still not doing too poorly. But Barca, on the other hand, as you say, so I'm just trying to find the actual league table here just to see where they are. But essentially, there's a lot going on over there in the the criticisms that Xabi's getting. Rafinha, like I was saying earlier, they're has actually been top. Basra? Yeah,
1: they've got a game in hand and Real can go, but they must have... I think they won at the weekend and maybe Real haven't played, but yeah, they're uh, 34 points out of 13 games, 31 goals scored, only four against. Real, that I thought was smashing it up, are on 32 points after 12 games, 29 goals for and 10 against. So, um we should maybe check before we speak next time yeah I want to say so
0: what, what you've just said is we've just made ourselves look like knobs on uh, on the podcast I, I
1: think they've been flattering to deceive I mean they've got obviously Ledwandowski doesn't seem to have been turning it on in Europe for them like he used to but uh, 13 goals and 4 assists in his um, 12 games so far in the league or 13 so 13 and 13 and 4 assists so he's obviously been a bit of a difference maker for them and it, I, I wonder where they would be um, without I mean that's nearly half of their goals he scored
0: well, I mean, regardless of where they are in the league, obviously we got that bit wrong, but they've exited Champions League and that, that is the biggest failure to exit in the, the group stages for a club that size who are essentially hemorrhaging money at the moment. Um, I'm sure there's going to be another lever that they'll pull and get that money back somehow, but I, I'd still be back in Man U personally.
1: I I think you'd be... I, I can Quietly confident might be the word. I know no one we should be confident against against Barca, but yeah, if... Put it this way: I'd much rather have drawn Barca than Real. Yeah, even though, as you say, looking at those stats, that is a bit crazy, really. But uh, Real definitely have been having the the, the more fruitful uh, season. It would seem by stats and and, and general uh, opinions coming out of Spain is that uh,
0: Real are by far the better team. Yeah, and just from what I've seen this season in Champions League, I don't think there's any argument that they don't look anywhere near up to their usual standard, Barcelona. Um, And as I said, there's been a lot of criticism about the playing style and about uh, Rafinha, etc., etc. But um, anything else? Any other bits? Not for me.
1: Quite a week. I've got a couple of bits on boxing, but um, nothing more on football.
0: Um, I mean, the only thing for boxing for me, uh, I watched the the Bivol fight uh, versus Ramirez. Very, very one-sided as... um, Expected really, Bivol seems to be an absolute class above. Um, he wants, uh, and I'll try and say his name just because I always butcher everything there. Better BF, be that's the fight. Uh, yeah, the he, fight? he wants him, uh, and he's, he's come out and said that he, he funnily enough, because there were a lot of talk about this, he doesn't want to fight Alvarez again or Canelo again straight away. He will fight him, but he said, "Look, I want those titles. I want to unify this decision at uh, division, and then I'll batter. Canelo which I can't ask for more than that I think that's fantastic mentality but yeah he, he absolutely destroyed him on this especially to card. call out
1: someone who with boxing has the only 100% KO record.
0: He is a scary man. Like He's a, a, a better a be better but yeah it, it's going to be a, a complete and utter clash as you'd expect if that fight does go ahead. Bivol for example on the scorecards um, for the, the weekend's fights: are 118 110, 117, 111 117, 111 and he basically just picked him off. He just completely outclassed him. As I was saying to you before, um Ramirez went in with a forty four and record. I think it's like thirty knockouts from that, but he just didn't look anywhere near on the same level at Physical.
1: all. Given we haven't got we are shorn of boxing superstars these days that we don't have many. What's the winner do of that light heavyweight? Takes all the belts Um, Bivol Berta Biev what
0: what are you saying they could do there I think he fights Canelo first but do you think he goes up a division well going up is what I was alluding to is cruiserweight no
1: one really now left at cruiserweight Usyk was the unified cruiserweight so you could you could try and tempt Usyk to go back down and have them two fight or fuck it do the man thing and just bounce straight up to heavyweight if you were fighting a light heavyweight and you're taking on someone like Usyk, who's not a Joshua, you know, a a Fury that's absolutely huge, and they've got a bit of time, that's
0: the money move. It is, but it's never in a million years as simple as that. I think if you try to move up two divisions, you've seen what happens with Canelo. Canelo looks like the man at his division. Obviously, he's changed divisions numerous times, but he looks like he is very comfortable. Steps up into the ring with Bivol, gets absolutely dominated, and I think that's what happened. If he... You put Bivol against Usyk, I think it's a complete and utter mauling for Usyk. Uh, I think you just text him out and Bivol ends up losing quite comfortably on that. And I don't see that there's anything... There's no real big fight if he moves up, unless he goes and fights someone like Lawrence Akoli, who I think is still unbeaten at the moment. He's got the WPO title. Um, You could do that, I suppose, at cruiserweight, but there really isn't a money fight, I think, at cruiserweight, as you say. And I think heavyweight is too much of a step up.
1: I just think when you've gone that far, I agree with you. That's why you have weight classes. You know, Canelo was quite a, a short man, used to fight at, you know, welterweights and that kind of thing, lighter middleweights, and then goes up to light heavyweight. That's a big jump. But I think a light heavyweight going to... You know, cruiser, give him, a, give him a, a duration to put a bit of mass on and, and build up. Maybe, as you say, a fight, even if it's against someone who's got a, a variation of the title, who's not necessarily a big name, give him a chance before he then pushes on. But um, Usyk has showed, you know, you can be the man against these heavyweight monsters without being the, the the size that they are.
0: I still think that's a big step up. Usyk did it from being a cruiserweight to being a heavyweight. And obviously people like David Hay have tried it as well and, and done that route. But... I think stepping up two weights to heavyweight. If it's a different weight class, I think we, we can have a bit of a different conversation about it. But heavyweight I'll is advised
1: to go straight there. You well, need, he, you need I think he,
0: even if he stepped up once and then tried to step up again, heavyweight is it's the, it's the money division, isn't it? But also the step up between the it can be anything in heavyweight essentially above um, is it? I can't remember. Is it one ninety pounds? But above that and then you look at the size of people, you look at Deontay Wilder, you're telling me that Bivolo beat Deontay Wilder? I think he get sparked out. I
1: think someone like Berta Biev though, that power is a bit like a Wilder in that it just goes up through weight classes. Now, would he need a bit of mass? Would he need a bit of time to acclimatise? Definitely. But I'm telling you, it could be 100% knockout ratio like that, and the knockouts that I've seen him put on people,
0: he could knock out heavyweights. Could he knock out Tyson Fury? I'm going to say no
1: only because you have to look at it that Wilder Wilder is the scariest puncher in the division and couldn't do it and he's coming from down. Um, So now could he catch a bit of time in there in that Wilder caught peak fury? Fury, we know he's probably a bit on the downslide. He's probably not taking it as seriously. He's fighting bums like uh, Chisora. He's going on podcasts with the true Jardy. And... Might he get suckered into a, a fight like that? Possibly. But yeah, I think, it, as you say, I just thought it was worth in discussion because if you were the winner of that title fight between Pavel and Berta Biev, what do you do? So there's nothing really for you.
0: I think it it's Canelo. I think that, that would be the fight, whoever wins in that. Um, whether... Canelo would want to go and fight Berta Biev is a different story I think he'd, he's still for whatever reason fans himself against Bivol, doesn't he? But I think I wouldn't want to step up into a ring against Berta Biev and the only end way surely he's
1: going to Surely he won't make the same mistake again though and he'll try and bring, like if he was to have a rematch against Bivol, isn't he going to try and bring him down a bit? That's where Canelo got too cocky for me.
0: Well that, that's Cause... what Bivol said, funnily enough he turned round and said, I put my title up this last time you put your titles up I'll step down and fight you cuz it kind of tried to Mayweather him
1: to be fair that's what Mayweather did to Canelo was you're a big unit you're a fucking hard puncher so if you want this fight I'm going to drain you till you are dry as fuck and made Canelo cut a frightening amount of weight to fight him and then he just looked exhausted didn't he so surely if you were you know Canelo's been on the wrong side of that game playing that's exactly what you do yeah okay yeah I will put my title on the line but you need to come down to Super middleweight, or something like that, and squeeze him down a bit, and which is I, what I think it, a normal do, yeah. person can't underestimate what fighting after a massive weight cut must be like. It must be
0: horrendous, agreed. And I, I think that was the biggest issue. That, um, oh god, I can't remember his name, um, junior and Ben senior had a, a bit of an issue, didn't he, with uh, Chris Eubank junior. Hydrating himself, dehydrating himself so much, and the with the issues with the—that's why they had the rehydration clause, clause and things, yeah. wasn't it? Is
1: they were a bit uh, worried about that. Um, it's it's hard, uh, and I think that would be the the clever thing for for Canelo to do if he wants that rematch. Is I think he got a bit cocksure. If i was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll take you on or whatever way. I can beat whoever exactly. Yeah. And I just think he got a bit carried away with own hype. Yeah, That's exactly. Better,
0: which is quite nice to see sometimes, but. um Anything else? I've well, got a well, couple
1: well. of little bits. So as you see, we, I think it's weirdly we talked about him last week. Big baby Miller got his licence back, oh, so he's now ready Jesus to fight in Vegas. Christ. So they're trying to line him up a fight
0: in Vegas before the end of the year. Do you know who I think I can see him fighting? Go on. Joshua. I think we see that because we were talking on um, the Bivol uh, undercard. for the undisputed Royd title of, uh, <laughs> of, of, of boxing. But it basically, because obviously they are going to have that fight and then 2018 it was that by the way I can't believe Um, it was that long ago Ruiz Jr so I I think Miller has ended not ended has uh, severely hampered Joshua's career but um, they were talking about what Joshua should do next and one of the things that they were talking about is Joshua basically saying look I don't want any warm up fights put me in with another one put me in with Wilder do all this I think he he should and he should be advised definitely by his trainer and and his management that he needs to have some warm up fights I think Miller is a a really good potential warm up fight for him because it's not, you know, some random bloke off at street, but also it's someone that he should comfortably beat. So I can see that.
1: He's a big boy, isn't he? To be honest with me, he's he's thick, you know, he he can probably take a punch, I would have thought. He's probably pretty, he looks very stout. Um, But the only other one I had was um, Sonny Bill Williams. So this was the former. I think did he play cross code both rugby league he and rugby union for um, for New Zealand, and then he sort of picked up the gloves a bit, didn't he? And he was nine and zero as the I can't even remember the Oceania heavyweight champion or something like that. Basically, Australia and Japan is uh, the only people only sort of uh, known countries that fall within um, the the boundaries of that heavyweight title, uh, and he fought Mark Hunt, former UFC fighter who is forty eight. Hunt sparked him out. Um, so he, suddenly Bill Williams, just looked to me like he'd never been hit like that before in his life. Just literally, his legs went, you could see he was a bit wobbly. It was probably a bit of an early stoppage, if I'm honest, from the ref. He probably could have gone on, but Mark Hunt is, the, as we've talked about before, the inventor of the walk-off knockout. Power so frightening that he just knows people are going to get knocked out. That was his fourth pro, pro, pro boxing match. Never won any of them. So it was his first win and he actually retired afterwards. So I just <laughs> thought it was a kind of, again, it's, you never believe um, fighting these days, but Hunt was also, uh, infamously, we talked about it previously, I think about him suing the UFC and things like that, quite injured from his fight career. Uh, again, a guy that fought in pride, a very, very high level kickboxer. You know, he's been in wars. So um, I, he, he's the type of person
0: that sadly that his... Career choices are going to pan out as things go on. So I'm just, I'm just getting the video up now. I'm just watching it. So just while you were talking, then, yeah. I, I mean, I, it's ugly, and not it? I don't know. Just... How I, but I don't know how you think this is an early stoppage. The guy is absolutely out Look, he's, <laughs> he Wait. catches him splitly just getting punched in the face over and over but again. just didn't even. Let, he didn't Wait, look, take look, a knee, did he? He's no, like, just like, ah. Oh, if down. he took
1: the knee and then was like, right, get up, see if he could get up. But he was a bit. I don't have limped. a clue
0: where he is. But, yeah, it's, um, um, it's absolutely spat out. But
1: that Mark Hunt, forty-eight years old, not even a pro boxer, and that was frightening power. Terrifying,
0: absolutely terrifying. Um, You'd never mess with him, would you? He'd fuck you up. Yeah. But um, that's it for me. Yeah, um, I think that's it for this uh, this week's episode. Um, as always, thanks for listening, and uh, of course, we'll speak to you next week.